and, and oftentimes when I'm, I get involved with the work, I have to get into the details. We, we, we massage things. We, we dissect things. I also have a fraud, fraud background and a valuation background, too. So when you bring all that together, the name just really fit. Now, um, you also have been pretty active in teaching or been a leader in uh, your church. Yes, I'm a, I've been a long-term member at Community Bible Church. Or it's known here in San, the San Antonio community as CBC. Came, came, uh, became a member about 15 years ago. Uh, as Alan mentioned earlier, the Christian Business Chamber was a ministry that became a, a nonprofit out of Community Bible Church, and that's where he and I met. And um, in addition, I'm a percussionist, so I, I had a wonderful experience singing or singing and playing with his bride, Susan, with our worship uh, team there for many years. And then over the last four or five years, I've gotten more into teaching through our church and lead a Bible study of taking my class through the life of Christ. Now we're, doing, we're, we're taking a pretty deep dive into discipleship, and we hope to apply what we learn in, through the story of, the, of Acts here over the next year. Yeah. Well, I know that um, I met your wife. She was she worked for a, a newspaper here, a little Christian newspaper she called did. The Beacon. She did. Yes, and in fact, we both did. Um, Roseanne uh, worked with a wonderful young man, Keith Leslie, who founded The Beacon through his organization. Today, Duke Jonitz and his business partner uh, are, have continued that legacy that Keith started. And uh, Duke and Claude have done a great job on on increasing that reach, but um, Roseanne, my wife, uh, helped in marketing and sales back in, for a short period of time, and I actually got to have the opportunity to write some articles for the Beacon, uh, talking about business owners who uh, share their faith in the marketplace. It was really, it was really a neat experience. So, with Gethsemane Partners, do you uh, do any particular work or business, let's say, for nonprofits or churches and so forth? Oftentimes I get asked, you know, questions about how to maintain my books or the accounting aspects of things. So certainly I, I do get involved in that. In fact, I've, I've performed, as, as you mentioned earlier, not only the treasurer role with the Christian Business Chamber, but I've also had that role with a couple other organizations, nonprofits over the course of my career. And, and presently am getting involved in doing that role again for the Reagan High School Choir. Oh, wow. So I, I, enjoy, I enjoy giving. You know, I enjoy sharing. For me, one of one of the blessings of what God's called me to do is is team with people, guide people, share share knowledge, and because that's how we all grow. People took me under their wing when I was younger and shared their knowledge with me. That gave me the start to my career. I feel that's as an, as a leader and a business owner and as a believer in Christ. That's that's what we're called to do. Well, one of the things that I really um admired about you is that when when i was with the business chamber christian business chamber you were really concerned about the chamber keeping the integrity of ministry because yes. there was a time there just before you got there that it was we had a couple of people trying to move it toward a business yes and networking for business working as a business like in another chamber but we were Really, a ministry, and we you were. came on. You, I remember you asked me questions. Yes. Then you made, then you wrote your little um, thing about the rules, or not rules, but it was uh, values. Values yes. of how the chamber should be. Mm-hmm. And I think I just really admire you for that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it, sometimes you know we people get involved, and we and it's and diversity is great. You know, I have, <laughs> sharing ideas is great. 
but we always, always got to remember what an organization is called to do or what its initial mission or vision is. Mm-hmm. And so fortunately, Alan, as you said, and I appreciate you saying that, uh, I had the, had the privilege to talk with some of the other founding fathers of our chamber too. And it, it helped me to, with some of the other folks in our chamber to put together a set of values that was well, pretty well received. I, I felt at the time and, and helped us gently without offend, offend, offending anybody, bring us back to a place where we could, we could find the right, strike the right balance between the vision of the chamber and some of the needs of, the, of its members and wanting to utilize the chamber as a mechanism to do business. Something you said I think is important for our audience to understand. Um, and this is, this is what it is. I mean, I have a lady that um, we help, we lives with us. Her name is Naomi. Yes. And she's a bookkeeper. And I know that she, if there's a church or somebody in need, a ministry of need, She's totally willing to volunteer her time to help them with bookkeeping. Or even if they want to pay, she takes very little. I, yes. I have a friend of mine uh, who does that. Of course, he's getting too old. <laughs> he has a bad back. It busts his heart. And he goes out and helps people with, um, he does home improvements. Yes, absolutely. And if uh, there are people that can't afford to pay him, he says, well, make me a cake or Fix me a dinner, and I'm, I'm we're good. Yes. And um, but there are people out there uh, that I believe really understand the idea of giving. So when you mentioned you like to give, mm-hmm. I think that's so important because a lot of times we get in our businesses that we work or our jobs or whatever it might be, we clock in, we clock out, and we're done. And all of a sudden it's like, let's eat, watch TV, eat popcorn, go to bed. Right. Right. You know, and it's like. You know, uh, we lose the aspect of, of our giving, right? And and we think that if we go to church and pay a tithe, we've given. And it's like, no, there's people out there that that need people like us. That well, what we do, you know, we go out and we help them. Absolutely, and you know, you, that's that's a great point. That speaks, I believe, to the heart of who who our Lord and Savior is. You know, His mission, summed up in in the Gospels, is that He came to serve, not to be served. And to sacrifice himself. Now, obviously, we we recognize the the ultimate sacrifice that he paid for us. But if you really study his ministry and his work and what and, and what the disciples did, they they picked up on it and how the whole, how they're led by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the little things. You know, I, I always I always go back to the, the Lord's first miracle. I can imagine he was having a great time and the wine ran out. What are we going to do? And Mom put him on the spot, and while he he wasn't ready to to do what he, she he, she was asked. He honored her and honored that request. And yeah. I think, and I think to your point, what Naomi, you described with Naomi, and I, and I do the same thing, I, I recognize, we recognize, I think as you walk close, you know, walk more with Jesus, that there is no, there is no accidents in your path. There's, and when people come to you, it's actually a privilege when they ask for help or they ask and they want to share a need. So I, yeah. I do my best to try to do that to the best I can. I mean, and I'm, I'm the same way. And I have a real, real funny thing about ministry. Um, I lived with a pastor. His name was Lon Ekdahl. He'll be on our show at the end of June, by oh, the way. I'm okay. Flying him out from Oregon, and he'll be here. He'll, it'll be an amazing show. Anyway, I learned about ministry from him, and I learned about why, what is important about it. And unfortunately, what you see in a lot of ministry is the big dollar. Mm-hmm. Making the money, making, you know, and it's whether it be in books or, or speeches and writings or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, it, it breaks my heart to see some of this, it's all money oriented. 
I know like like for myself, if so for example, if anybody who's watching wants to have me come speak yes. and teach a seminar, all I require basically is is a love offering. Now, if you want to just pay me enough to get there and back, I'm that's good. That's all I care about because it's not about me. Yes. It's about Jesus. Well, you know, it's interesting you would say that. And, and I think that is, that's, again, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, churches, ministries are also organizations that have needs and, and have to function in this world that we live in. So certainly the how we how we met, how we view money is a big part of that. How we use money is a big part of that. And so I think it's, you know, faith. You know, I, always, I always go back to what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that then he reminded us as, as children of God that, listen, you know, I take care of all my, all creation and you're my, you're the apple of my eye. So, so it just, it's, it takes, it, you just got to take those steps of faith and you look, I, I think you find over time what works for you. And then, then if, and if God calls you to ministry, then, then you, you grow in that regards. And certainly some have, have platforms and personalities and, and, and ability, and they share that through books and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I admire someone I admire in our local community, in the faith community, and I, I think he really does a great job in stewarding his talents in that area is Max Lucado. And I've watched him over the years, was a member of his church for a while, and he, I, I don't know how he uses his, his resources financially and whatnot, but when I see what he does with his time ta- and his talent, I certainly have to believe he's, he's stewarding his treasure biblically and well, too. And even like Rick Warren, I mean, yes. he's now known to give 90% of Absolutely. anything he makes back to the church. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that it's important we, we recognize those things. It's, it's uh, about giving of yourself. Jesus gave us a new commandment there in the upper room that we love one another as he loved us. Yes. And that the world will know that we're his right. by, by the way we love one another. One another. And unfortunately, what most people think about, oh, yeah, how did Jesus love us? He went to the cross and died. No, he hadn't gone yet. Absolutely. That's he a great had, point. He had, he had spent time praying. He had spent time talking and feeding and healing. And yes. he washed their feet. He, he'd spent time serving. Yes, he did. And that's what it's all about. So when you mentioned Jesus doing this, he was a perfect example. Absolutely. And his words were there for us to learn how to give back to one another. And what's amazing and incredible is those words that he shared are available to us by the same spirit that guided him, guides us. And so that's where, as I was in our, our stu- the other day in our class that I teach, uh, one of our co-leaders, we, we talked about the Bible and the hand concept of studying the word, reading the word, memorize and meditating on the word and when you do that when you take the word and you hide it in your heart and then you allow the spirit to bring it to your mind that's when it can make a big difference and it's incredible to watch you you know share the word in your way share the word through your mind share the word through your personality the spirit will take care of the rest yes yes well it's 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 great i'm i'm really i'm glad you're here thank you i i uh, too I called you on purpose because um, I think I've told you before when I found out you actually uh, participate in a couple of feasts, right? Yes, we do. Yes. And I think we were in a parking lot, I think, a few years ago. And I think I mentioned to you I wanted to do that. And I still, not to this day, have have started to do it. I think I get so wrapped up with stuff, I I just let it go. But, um, you know... 
I believe, like Paul said in Romans, that we are grafted in to the vine. Yes. And I think that when we look at Judaism in its purest form, and I don't mean Judaism as today, and I don't mean Judaism as in Jesus' day. I mean years before that. Right. When God laid it all out, when he, when he basically has it there, that we're grafted into him. And by doing that, we have all this historical, cultural stuff that God has done for his people that we're now a part of. of. And I don't understand why the Christian church doesn't take part of this. That's a complicated set of circumstances, I think, at the end of the day. And I'll go back to the, the idea of how God revealed himself. You know, he revealed himself to a people. Mm-hmm. Two people, in fact, Adam and Eve, and then ultimately through others over time. And but, but our, our all of our faith, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all traces our roots back to an incredible couple, Abraham and Sarah, and it's there where the covenants began. You know, became more clear. But over time, and especially after uh, the life of Christ in the first century, um, you know, there was a lot of struggle. You know, who is this Jesus person? You know. Is he is he Torah? Or is he not? Is he the Son of God or is he not? And I think that struggle. Um, there was a lot of you know, and if you if you dig deeper into the Book of Acts, I think it explains a little bit where you know Jesus came to fulfill the law and and reveal truth, but then the idea of how he you know if you're a follower of Christ, are you still upholding the traditional Judaism? And I think that struggle ultimately created a a bifurcation between Christianity and Judaism that took place over several hundred years. And then, and I won't not be a history buff, but certainly has continued on to the, today well, to a great extent. As I am a history buff. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, and, and what really happened historically is, is that, you know, when Jesus was a good Jew, I mean, he went to temple, he went yes, to synagogue, he, sure he was he was a good Jew. Yes. I mean, he participated in a feast. He did. And so all this, however, after he rose from the dead, and then we have Pentecost where the Peter came out and preached. Right. There were 5,000, most likely men we're talking about, right. that came to Jesus and became made him the Lord of their life. Yes. Well, we're talking about Jews that came to him. Primarily we're not talking about point. Gentiles. Right. That's the way we understand it. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was you have a massive amount of Jews now following Jesus so in the beginning, you had these five, I call, denominations. You know, Pharisees, Sadducees, Hellenists, Zionists, and so forth. Yes. And what happens after, after Pentecost, you have a sixth one. Interesting way to look at it. And it wasn't really called Christianity no, at the wasn't. time. We were the f- okay. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, but it grew, and it grew with a lot of Jews, and then it grew into, as Paul came on the scene, yes, and okay, then it grew into the uh, his Gentile world. Absolutely. Into the Roman right. area. Right. So what you have is this mixture. Well, the yes. problem was is that the Jews would follow to these churches, and they Paul calls them Judaizers. Yes. Because they're wanting the Gentiles to Dude. participate in the law right. of, of a, say, um, um, <laughs> circumcision yes and Paul is saying they don't have, have to. to and so there's the problem there's there is, there's, there's your rift there's your rift so right. after the Jews after uh, I guess it was 8079 when their temple got destroyed yes. and yes. so forth 
um, or no, I was 80, 70. I'm sorry, mixing something up. Uh, then what happens is after a while, the Judaizer says, you know, we're not going to do this anymore because you guys aren't going to conf- comply with this law. Right, right. So we walk away. So what happened was this Jewish following, now the Jews walk away and it becomes a Gentile, Gentile following. following. That makes yes. And that really is what happens. So what we know as Christianity today really started as Judaism. As a sect or yes. denomination yes. of Judaism, yes, because uh, that's what they had back then. Exactly. It wasn't a polit- these, these were not political uh, parties. No, they weren't. Okay, these were actual denominations right. that believed differently right. in the way they do, like we do now, right. like do Baptist now. or Nazarene or Methodist might have today. Very well said. Very well different. So right. what we see now is separated from that, and we've gotten all these different rules and regulations and followings and so forth. That it even pulled us further and further yeah, exactly. away from Judaism itself. Exactly, and and I think that that answers your question historically. What historically. has happened? But what's been interesting, Alan, is you as you now bring it forward, and we talked about this before the show, was some things, some unique chain of events took place. Well, well, after seventy A.D., there was a dispersion of all the Jewish people from their Holy Land, mm-hmm. and then in the mid nineteen hundreds, after World War Two, there was. A regathering. It began to regather. The nation of Israel was re- reestablished after World War II, and then, with through various circumstances and so forth, um, we we had this nation and it's growing. But what's also interesting about that same time is there were some Jews, just that, like what happened in the first century, that started coming back and recognizing, and this is really key, that Jesus as the Messiah that, that they've been searching for and looking for throughout the history. And so there's now, interesting as you, you picked it out, with, and it's, it's, there's a bridge that's been built over the last 75 or so years, man, really longer than that, but it's really taken off since the mid-1900s. Mid it's called the Messianic Judaism. Mm-hmm. There, and so there's, and that movement has grown exponentially over the last 50 years. So that's, where I've, that's what brought me and drew me in as a Christian, Gentile Christian. I've walked across that bridge and, and that's where, as you asked, you mentioned earlier, why I started practicing a couple of the feasts that originated in my interest in studying Messianic Judaism. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting because you're Messianic Jews, and all of them don't go by that same name, but we understand these are Jews that, that, believe, that in believe in Jesus as Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah, yes. right. They still, as far as I know, they still practice the Sabbath. Yes. They still practice, and, and they observe the feasts. The, the feasts, yes. They still observe feasts, even though they are... They are Jews, completed, because yes. I'm going to call them completed Jews. Exactly. And what's interesting, but it's also interesting if you study, is study the, the makeup of me, the Messianic Judaism religion today and those that are attending, there may just well be as many Gentiles, if not more Gentiles, than there are Jews. So back to what yeah. you said earlier, there was, there's been kind of a regathering, not only a regathering of our Jewish, the Jewish chosen people in Israel, but also this growth of the, the blend that you talked about from the time of Jesus and what happened with Jews and Gentiles in, throughout the book of Acts and whatnot in the first century, it's, it's happening again in the 21st yeah. century. And it's amazing. I mean, we have we have people like Paul Wilbur. He's a musician. Yes, absolutely. And he's taken his music to Israel yes. and has performed and has had crowds in the thousands yes. who have come on, on Passover and they've yes. done concerts yes. uh, to Jews, Christian yes, Jews. Yes, absolutely. We have today... Uh, Jonathan Kahn, I consider him a prophet, 
who's also a Jew rabbi Christian. Right. And um, so, and he pre- he speaks a lot about Old Testament prophecy, Old Testament teachings, and brings them into today yes. so we can understand the Old Testament. Yeah, my, my most favorite Jew, I, I enjoy believing Jew that I enjoy following are two individuals. One is a gentleman named Boaz Michael. He's a founder of First Fruits of Zion, where I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last 10 years uh, studying Messianic Judaism through his teachings. And he's just, I, he and his team, I just feel like, uh, tell it very straight. In fact, ironically enough, as we're talking about the feast today, his ministry is actually coming out with a study of the seven feasts from a Messianic Jewish perspective here anytime now. Yeah. The other person I enjoy, and he, he writes an incre- incredible political thrillers, is Joel Rosenberg. Hmm. And Joel Rosenberg, um, God has really placed a lot of favor upon him. And he's now relocated to Israel. But he's, he's a Messianic Jew, but he views himself as a Christian. But he, is, he has written many thrillers, and he's almost a prophet in a sense that his thrillers kind of predict uh, in some ways what, uh, he, uh, what may be happening or what's happened over the last 25 years, politically speaking, across the world, especially between Israel and, and the world. But Joel, uh, so those two individuals have, have, have had an impression upon me. My, and so my thinking. Yeah. Well, the thing I like about Jonathan Kahn isn't as much as he's predicting, as much as he's calling for people to follow the truth. Yes. And that's what prophets basically they did in the Testament. They call people to follow, follow the, truth. the truth. Yeah. And I think that. That's... Well, I think with Jonathan Kahn, I, I had the privilege to read his book, The Harbinger. And, and that really, and, and that ties around the events of, of 20 years ago in New York City, 9-11, mm-hmm. and how some, the symbolisms and there's another young man, Perry Stone, who's a Gentile, but same kind of type of person that you described, who, who helps us understand the depths of, of the Old Testament and how, how things can be understood in our, in our day and age yeah. today. And, you know, he's written another book, Harbinger Two. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just wanted to let you know yes. that that's out there. So when we talk about the feasts, I want everyone to understand what the feasts are. The feasts are... I mean, some of the feasts are basically commanded to to recognize the things that God has done for them. Uh, there's commandments. There's also um, I don't know if it's an edict, if you want, if you will. For example, uh, the feast of Purim. Okay, the feast of Purim. It happens to be if you read the book of Esther, you know, is about the time when uh, all these people were going to get rid of and annihilate the Jews. And in the book of Esther, it talks about how that they were able to get through this and how it was intervened. It doesn't talk about God, but it talks about how, you know, the the one man, Mordecai, was able to reach out and and into the king and able to uh, find a way to preserve that. So, So what they've done is they have a feast, Feast of Purim, which recognizes how God intervened and helped them, yes. save them to go through. And yes. all the feasts have this similar thing, the Feast of Passover. You know, uh, we basically you have three major feasts. Am I, yes, you're correct right. me if I'm yes, wrong. you're right. Three major feasts. And then we have seven feasts that are what they call main feasts. Mm-hmm. Then you have a lot of smaller feasts. Like I said, the Feast Purim, of Purim. Purim is a smaller feast along with Hanukkah. Right? Hanukkah is another smaller feast. Absolutely. Right. And, there's, and there's many others. You're, and you're exactly right. There, These are seven feasts were appointed by Jehovah. If you, if you want in the book, during the time of Moses, when they were in the wilderness, he established these feasts during that point in time. Um, and you can read about them in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. 
But uh, the, the three that Alan was referring to that are what we call the main feasts are the pilgrimage feasts. And what that means is where all the Jewish people would go back to the temple or the tabern- in, temple during the times of David and Solomon was built and, and it was established. And then the new temple, the second temple built through Jesus' time, they would they have pilgrimages back to Jerusalem to make sacrifices and to and to follow the and it was it was commandments uh, established by our, by our father uh, for the Jewish people to follow every year and there are, so there are specific appointed times followed every year. So the three main feasts are the feast of Passover, the yes. first one. Then you have the feast of weeks, which is also we would call the feast of Pentecost in the Christian circles. Yes, right. And then you also have the feast of Tabernacles, which also people call the feast of tents or booths. Yes, exactly. So okay. It's known as Sukkot. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, and those three feasts, the the Passover, is is in that March April time frame in the, the month of Nisan, and then Pentecost, which. So happens we're in the middle of that week right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pentecost in our Jewish, the Jewish Judaism just celebrated over the last two days, and Christianity recognizes it this Sunday. Yeah. So Pentecost, which is pente, means fifty, <clears throat> is fifty days after Passover, and there's a there's a special, and that fifty day period in Judaism is called the period of Omer. It's a special time of barley of harvest. And of and of worshiping, and it's seven cycles of seven that end on on Pentecost, and then the fall feast you're referencing, Tabernacles is a seven day feast, um, commemorating and Pentecost commemorates the giving of the law from Judaism, and the giving of the Holy Spirit in Christianity, and Tabernacles um, is is really a celebration of provision, uh, God in His presence as the Father and the Spirit in the, t- in the first Tabernacle during the wilderness providing for. His children. Yeah. And actually, I believe that all the feasts have the same theme of that God has provided for them. Every single one of them. Absolutely. And I, and I, and because think about what he's providing, not just our physical needs, but really our spiritual needs, Mm -hmm. his presence, his power and who he is, his love for us. And as we know him as Christ Jesus is, is about tabernacling with us. You know, Jesus, his name, one of his we, when we sing about it during Christmas, oftentimes is Emmanuel, God with us. So, and, and so, as Jesus came and took on a form of a human being, He tabernacled in that body to share and reveal who God really is. That's what's really special. So let's let's see if we have time. We can go through the feast. That, sure, and we'll start with Passover because that's most well known. Yes, uh, at least to us uh, who are Christians. Um, and the Feast of Passover, most people that I know believe that all Passover is, is when the Holy Spirit or God, the Spirit of God came over Egypt. And if you had the blood on your, your doorpost, then your child, the oldest one, whoever, wouldn't die. And you right. would go over and that was, that's Passover. However, that is just the end of the story. Right, I mean, they had they have all these requirements that they had to do to get yes. to the blood. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely, and uh, I mean, that, but you're right, Alan. The first Passover took place during the Exodus, the after the 430 years of slavery. Uh, you know, the the tenth plague, right? Because Pharaoh, those ten plagues, and I'll I'll tie it back to what you were talking about, the steps of Passover, or what we know as a Seder and so forth, but ultimately it's the, it's the blood atonement. God requires blood atonement 
unblemished blood to be, you know, to cleanse us of our sins. That was established during this period of time, not only with the commandments, but I'll go even back further than that, Abraham and Isaac, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so having said that, yes, that first Passover, the, the angel of the Lord came, you know, executed the judgment that, that the fa- father established, but then ultimately in the wilderness, he established as an appointed time to remember that event, but then to also speak deeper into the importance of sacrificing the lamb, what it means, and having a celebration around that. Right. So the the steps are that I know of, okay, is they had to find a lamb without blemish. Yes. They had to uh, kill the lamb, and they had to roast the lamb. Yes. They couldn't boil the lamb, right? right. They had to right. roast the lamb. Right. Okay, they had to eat the lamb. Right. And they had to eat it while they were dressed and ready to go. They had to have their shoes on their feet, yes. their clothes on, their yes. staff in hand. They had to be dressed, right. ready to leave right. while they ate the lamb. Yes. Is all correct? Right. And that first Passover, that's exactly what took place in mm-hmm. a sense. And then, and then the, the event took place and then Pharaoh released the people and they were on their way. Not, you know, and at that point, it's, while it may not be crystal clear, how they celebrated their faith prior to that moment, the way we understand it and what's revealed in Scripture is we, they, they, as Alan said, in haste had to leave Egypt, and that ties also to the second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And yeah. Talk, talks about that. And, that. and so one aspect, Alan, I'll share with you, what, what Passover and Unleavened Bread and First Fruits, which is the third feast, have become is a, really a seven or eight day period that takes place coincides with Easter that we and and the resurrection that we celebrate in Good Friday and in resurrection that we celebrate as Christianity and we can talk more about that if you wish but the but there's a there's a meal that's really important that I want to hopefully we can dive into a little bit called the Seder mm-hmm. and that Seder was revealed in, in in the gospels talk about it specifically we we refer to it as the last supper uh, of, of Christ, and we can again, we can dive into well, yeah. that if you and, wish. and from what I understand, uh, the Last Supper, as we call it, is was actually the meal of Seder. Exactly, and it was happening on the eve of Passover. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, what's really interesting, and you you brought up the other two. Um, well, let me finish up with the Passover. So, the Passover, as we know, as we celebrate the Passover, is to recognize God's provision. Yes. Okay. To deliver the people from bondage from Egypt, right? Basically, and save them from that. And then, then, and that's exactly how it was established. Yeah, definitely. What's interesting is, is in in my, I'm I'm not all up on the, all the feasts like you are. So I had to do a lot of research this last couple of weeks. <laughs> Sounds like you've done some great research, Alan. <laughs> well, what's hard is you have you have these different ideas, and and so I have to really weed out what isn't accurate to what is. Put in there, and then you right. have, you got a lot of people who want to equate the new and the old. It's like no, it doesn't do that, and so it, it was. Sometimes it's not easy. But no, it, it, it isn't, and then, then there's the traditions, right? Yeah, you know, I've I've, t- I've touched on a little bit, and I, and I appreciate that. But I, but something as you were sharing that last comment, I I always do this too, and we and we learn this as believers is to test the truth. Yeah, and, we, and how do we do that by taking it back to scripture? So I think discerning, and, I, and I'm as Alan is too. And I really, that's why I appreciate about his show and who he is and his character. And I've, as I've known Alan over the years, is he's very faithful to the revealed word. That is so important. Well, thank you. I, 
work on it. <laughs> it's not easy because we got to filter our own thoughts and minds. But there you go. So the next two feasts, yes. I'm going to re- I'm going to put these together. Please. And the that. reason I'm going to put these together is because and there's the feast of unleavened bread. You've brought that up. Yes. And the feast of fruit, first, first fruits, fruits, which you also brought up. Yes. Okay. Now the feast of unleavened. Go ahead and and tell us what those are. Well, the unleavened bread relates to this idea of leaven versus unleavened. And okay. it ties back to and the reason I brought it up, it ties back to that first Passover. That they, they broke bread as part of their meal, but unfortunately, leavened bread, it t- it's, it's, it, they didn't have time for it to leaven or to grow. So they, they ate it in haste and it, and it didn't finish the process. Now, now that's become part of the traditional Seder. And it's called matzah. So there's this period of, and it's also a period where it kicks off the harvest season. So it's recognizing, again, all back to this idea of giving your first of something to God. The unleavened bread feast and the first fruits feast ties into that, that concept. So what I understand of the feast of the unleavened bread, it's, it has to do with uh, 30 days after the Passover of eating unleavened bread until, until the manna came. And they had those 30 days that the bread didn't rise. It rise, right. So that's why you have unleavened bread, and that's why you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yes. That's what I've read and understood. Well, as I describe it as my understanding, I'm not going to disagree with that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. So it does tie in to that first... That, that journey, because remember that, yeah. that first 30 days, that's, there's a period of time where they went through the Red Sea and then made it to the, you know, on the other side. And that's, that's they probably didn't have about. time to cook their bread. Exactly <laughs> right. They were working off all the reserves and all the grain and everything else that was in, you know, the distilleries that they were allowed to take. Very, very well said, Alan. So, and the next one is the, the Feast of the First Fruits. Yes. Which has to do with, uh, the, I believe it's the grain. Yes. the uh, harvest of the grain. Yes. The first fruits of that. So yes. talk about that. Well, again, same kind of same kind of concept. You know, it's the 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 idea of of setting aside some of what you create or what you produce for for, for the family for others, and it, it's similar to what God calls us to do, to, and, and call all people to do to set aside a tithe. Um, so it's it's the idea of of providing for everyone and sharing that provision because there may be times where you're, you're not in, in a position to be able to meet your needs. Well, the, the first fruits helps provide for that for the whole family of God, not just your individual family. Right. And I, and I don't know if this is, I, I read this, I don't know if this is a more of a modern thinking or if this was a thinking from mid time frame or from the very beginning, but, and I wrote it down um, that the, the idea is in the Jew thinking was that God, uh, they thank God for the first fruits, which gave God a reason to bless the whole season uh, to the last of the harvest. I don't know if this is a original thinking or this is kind of filtered more through. More true. I, you know, that certainly rings, rings with my mindset on the importance of, of giving. Yeah, and and so I I think I, I would say it's, well I don't recall reading that spe- that specific idea in scripture I think I think it's yeah it, it make it makes sense to me that's, well that's what the motivation behind it yeah and sometimes uh, you know if you get into the Talmud which that's what I do yes you get in you read things from different writers right. and rabbis that put things in of course this is more toward the era of Daniel. Okay. So I don't know. That's why I said, I don't know if it's yes. during that period or afterwards because right. the modern, the modern Judaism, they put things in there. It, it was just really funny. I was told a story if we have time here. 
I was told a story by Lon Ekdahl. Yes. Um, he had a guy live next door to him. Named, his name was Alan. And he was Jewish. Okay. And, and he always dressed like a T-shirt and cutoffs. Yes. You know? And one day, Lon saw him in a suit. He says, oh, you're dressed up. He says, oh, yeah, we just had Passover dinner. Oh, so tell me, what's, what is Passover? You know, not knowing what's the yes. He goes, well, I don't know. We just have it and I just, just eat it. Didn't know at all. And he's like, really? Well, come on in. Let me tell you about it. Yes. So we told him all about the Passover, all about the lamb and this and that. And Andy Ladd goes, oh, well, we just had chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's happened over a couple of my Passover seders, too, actually, Alan. So, <laughs> so do what you got to do sometimes. So Lon makes the joke of, oh, they had sacrificial chicken. <laughs> I think I think I think the important thing, you know, and 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 we can say this too. There's there, we find that same kind of mindset also in, in the Gentile side when it comes time to Christmas and Easter too. Yeah, but I think it's, what's it, but what's important is what your friend did instead of oh, but come on in and let's let's let let me share with you a little bit more on on how I celebrate Passover and that built a bridge that. Allowed each to sharpen the saw a little bit yeah. and grow in their relationships. So that's what we look try to look to do. Well, I recommend anybody who hears this that they watch this show at the end of June when he comes on our show. He's incredible. Anyway, why I wanted to put these other two feasts right along with Passover yes. is because these three feasts happen in the same week. Isn't that correct? That's exactly right. Within an eight-day period. I think that's weird. It is. And what's even more cool, and what's cool at while it's that's how it's celebrated, when you look at when you when you when you overlay it over on the life of Christ in His mm-hmm. last week of His life, you know He celebrated the Last Supper, on the which was which coincided with this, the, the Passover Seder traditional Passover Seder meal, the eve of Passover, he he was crucified and breathed his last breath at the exact moment that the lamb was slaughtered for the temple at three. And then he was resurrected on the first fruit Sunday. You know, our, our, as we know, Sunday, but that, that third day. Yeah. So I think that, so it's just really interesting. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's, and you'll find that same thing as Alan talked about with the fall feast that we'll talk about in a few minutes too. How these, these feasts are all put together in a yeah. short period of time. Oh, yeah. And, I, and that's why I think they're all remarkable. Absolutely. So the next feast uh, we call the Feast of Trumpets. However, it's also uh, Yom Kippur, correct? Well, there's three. There's there's the there's Pentecost that we've already talked about, which is the oh. which is which is the feast that takes place, at, you know, in that May. I skipped that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Let's go yeah. back. Yeah, we'll I make, skipped we'll that. We have to go back, and then we'll come back. Yes. Feast of Pentecost. Feast, I of, Pentecost. feast of Weeks. Feast, Pentecost. It's called yeah. the Feast of Weeks in the Scripture. The Judaism knows it as the Feast of Shavuot, and then okay. the Christians know it as Pentecost. Right. So, from the Jewish perspective, it's it again established in the during the time of Noah. And if you if you study the Exodus and, and and study the flow of time after they arrived at Sinai, then Moses went up for a period of forty days to receive the commandments. And then when he came down the mountain, and the command, and then he and he had the commandments, he gave the commands, and obviously they were doing the golden calf thing. Long story short, that's that's viewed as the giving of the commandments of, as the fiftieth day after Passover. Okay. Okay. So that's why where we get the Pentecost name from down the road. But but moving forward. Uh, from a Jewish perspective, they recognize the Feast of Weeks as the Feast of Giving the Law. Yeah. So the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, yes. which is 50 days from Passover, right. 
and that's when you have and which actually has to do with the harvest as exactly well. it's, exactly it's it's a, it's all tied into the celebration of the harvest and and giving back at that point in time. and this is at the end of harvest it is yeah it is so we have the beginning of harvest first fruits then we have the end, end of, of harvest, harvest which is weeks weeks and again the, it's interesting you guys say why weeks where did that name come from well again back the cycles of god set it was a series of seven weeks mm -hmm. that took place between Passover and the 50th day. Okay. Good deal. All right. Well, now let's get back to the Feast Yom Kippur or yes. the Feast of Trumpets. Right. The Feast of Trumpets uh, is, uh, and is called, in, from a Jewish perspective, Rosh Hashanah. Right. And that's, that's, the, that's the first day of the Jewish New Year on their, on their calendar. And so uh, that's a, a time of, of, of celebration and new beginnings and restart and then there's a 10-day period from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which is a high holy holiday in Judaism, mm -hmm. where it's a, it, or as we know it as the Day of Atonement. Right. And then that leads to an eight-day Feast of Tabernacles, which is the third fall feast. And this is probably, as I understand, one of the most important uh, feasts, holidays, days that, of, the, of the Jews. It is. Atonement is because there's a... If you study the, the, the process, that's where everybody, between that, in that 10-day period, you have the opportunity to make right, to have your, have your sins cleansed because you, you want your mm -hmm. name kept in the book of life. Right. And so the atonement is the overall corporate aspect of that. You've made right during that 10-day period from Rosh Hashanah to Kippur. Then you, then you, then you go through the, the services to make make yourself right, and of course, at that point, there's also it also ties into that's the one time of the year that the high priest atoned for all for the whole nation of Israel and was allowed by by our Father to go into the holy of holies inside the temple, right? To make atonement, right? With the blood of the of the sacrifice, and there's many sacrifices that took place. That so it's it's referred to as a time of repentance, yes, uh, and also a time of regathering. Absolutely, exactly. Which is that celebration of that acceptance of the sacrifices, the regathering, the, the tabernacles, yeah. a time of, of being with family, and and again, it's it's a it's a it's very it's a very special time um, for not just our Jewish brothers and sisters, but for all of us. Well, yeah, and and I'm going to insert here because I don't think we can divide it like we were going to. Right. But what's important about the Day of Atonement is we talk about the sacrificial lamb. Yes. So in our understanding is as Jesus came as a suffering servant. Yes. Okay. Because I'm going to divide Because a lot of people think it's the Messiah. But Jesus came came twice. He's coming twice. That's why we call it second coming. He came as a suffering servant. servant. And the suffering servant, Jesus, you know, became the sacrificial lamb. Right. For all mankind, for all to, all of all time. time. So, the, and therefore, as a result of that sacrifice, there is no need for the sacrificial system that was established in the Old Testament by Father, uh, that Jesus became that Lamb, and so there was no more need. However, that. however, we need to partake of the Lamb yes. in order to be, have our sins atoned for. Absolutely, absolutely. Because so, I know there's people out there who think because Jesus came, He's the Savior of the world. Oh, I believe that, so that's good enough for me, and I'm good to go to heaven. No, and that's not true. That's not true. I mean, great. Well, as we talk about, as revealed by, by our our first apostles, you know, grace by is is it, salvation is by grace and faith in Jesus Christ. 
in what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection for ourselves. Yeah. And in faith has that, it's an active verb. It has a lot to do Absolutely. with obedience. Exactly. I so. agree. And I, Alan, I agree. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a, there's a, there's a, and that's probably a topic for another time, but obedience. And, and look, if you look, follow the life of Christ, you see, you know, and, 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 the, and the opportunity where he, he could have called down legions of angels to rescue him or to save him, both in the front end of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. But he always said, thy will be done. And so the Day of Atonement, as we call it, is usually around September, October. Right. right. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Jewish calendar or Hebrew calendar is not the same as our 12-month no, calendar. No, it's so. not. We have differences. This is why this is why we have a problem with when Jesus was born. We have zero, you know, right. and he wasn't born in wasn't zero. Born in he zero. was born most likely four BC. Exactly, you know, because they don't go back to the Hebrew calendar. It right. was all done because of somebody doing something they didn't figure out. Exactly, and so it was on a Gregorian cal- yes. calendar yes. versus the Julian. Yeah. Yes. So basically, it's back to history. Yeah, I love it. Alan, that's why I love it. I enjoy talking with you so much because. <laughs> you, you, you always learn. That's why he's, 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 a, he's the right man to moderate the believer's journey. <laughs> so, okay. So Day of Atonement, it's really important, not only for the idea of the Jew. And the other thing, too, I thought you brought up is you want to make sure your name is in the book of life. life. Right. Well, you know, most Christians think that's a New Testament thing. They do, but it's not. I know. Isn't, isn't that incredible? I know. <laughs> I mean, it's always it's always been there from before in the beginning. You know, the, yeah. the whole concept of of being with our with our Creator for eternity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was reading at, at the uh, Day of Atonement when they when they came and they had brought the sacrifice, uh, which I understood when I didn't understand this before. But the lamb is always uh, killed outside the walls. Yes. Yes. That's something I, I learned during all yes. this two yes. weeks. That yes. Always outside oh, the walls. That's interesting. That's which good. which brought in the idea of Jesus being taken outside, outside the walls, the walls that to be crucified. Jesus yeah. Died. Yes. Because some of these people think that he was crucified there inside the walls. No. You know, and, and it's like, no, no. it's outside. Absolutely. And I already knew that. You did. But, but to see the to the connection. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean that I think I think if 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 your your listeners take one thing away, is that the feasts demonstrate Messiah. The Messiah, the feast, you know, the, it's a, it's a foreshadowing. It's a is a fulfillment. It's 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 a personification of who God is, and and, and what Jesus did for us yeah. many years ago. Yeah. So then we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which yes. you talked about a little bit. So why don't you continue with that and let us know more? Well, again, that's a, that is the that is the one of the three main feasts we talked about. That's the fall feast. That's the one to, to take place. And you'll see if you go back and study the life of Christ, you'll see that he he followed he he's there were aspects of his ministry that took place during the, the, these fall feasts. But the Tabernacles is a is a typically a seven day feast again where it's a time of celebration after the atonement after. The sacrifice being made, now we come together, and, and the, again, the concept of, of tabernacles is God is with us, and, we're, and, and the, peop, the Jewish people would then leave their homes, build temporary shelters, and again, there was palm branches, that, that ties back to the palm branch thing of, of the last week of Christ's life, but the bottom line is it's a time of, you know, where they would, they would it was tempor- temporary shelters mirroring the provision and, and the care of God in the wilderness. So it's a celebration of that. 
And, yeah, and it also was a memorial for uh, in the booths yes. for those during the 40 years that yes. they wandered in the wilderness. Yes. Right, exactly. So it has a lot to do with that as yeah, well. Absolutely. So, again, you, you, you see all these feasts tie back to that first generation the, the, of Moses and his mm-hmm. generation and the things that the Lord established. But, again, he had foreknowledge to see it. It, it also tied into his, his chosen son who had done ultimately. Yeah. And, that, and then we talked about it, you know, again, the fulfillment of those spring feasts of Passover first fruits and unleavened bread tying to Christ's first coming. And there's belief that the fall feast, there'll be a Christ connection fulfillment related to his return. Yeah. And, um, yeah, because I think that, I mean, I really like the way I see this in, in perspective of that God has done these things for his people. Yes. He's provided, he's, um, given of himself he yes delivered them yes and be what the jews what has done now is the jews take this and they remember it absolutely through their feasts and they party it looks like absolutely they <laughs> and well you think about it and what's so cool is you, you as we've talked about it from a primarily a jewish perspective today mm-hmm. from a christian perspective we have Easter, we have Christmas, and Christmas, Easter ties to those, those spring feasts. And then one, one of the lesser feasts that we haven't talked about, Hanukkah, which mm-hmm. is the Festival of Lights, tying to another victory and God's miracle provision of, in the temple prior to the life of Christ. But that's celebrated in December, typically. And that yeah. ties into, you know, what we, when we as Christians, we, we celebrate and, and uh, celebrate Christmas. And then I even like to go one step further, Alan, and say Thanksgiving. I think we can probably add Thanksgiving in there in some way, shape, or form, too. As, as that, even though I'd say not a Christian-recognized event, it's, it's, it's the, the idea of Thanksgiving and sharing food and breaking bread and, and being together in family. I, 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 I see a lot of similarity to that, that holiday that we, rec- that we celebrate, typically in the Western world, too to the tabernacles and, and tabernacles yeah. piece of the Bible. And I, I agree to a point there. I think that um, Thanksgiving is similar probably to what you have in your first fruits and in, in, in your weeks and so right, forth. Right. Because you're thanking God Absolutely. for his provision. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. And we're going, uh, my wife and I are going to Moldova for the month of um, November. So we'll be gone the whole month. And so I was just talking to one of the missionaries that are over there. And I mentioned that we're going to be there that long. Oh, <laughs> and so we're not going to be having Thanksgiving here. So you're going to have, we're going to have to have it. And I know you guys don't celebrate it. We're going to have to have it there at your home. And so, oh yeah, we don't celebrate that. He says, I know. So we're going to have to have it there. Yes. I don't know if you guys have turkeys though. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, then, maybe maybe like the chicken the lamb thing again. Well, you'll go with what they. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but he said, and he happened to say his mother's raising turkeys. Oh, we can take one of hers. <laughs> yeah, right. Please. <laughs> so, but you know what's interesting in, in looking at um, Christmas, Christian perspective of things, like in the Passover, you know. Uh, Having Jesus as our our lamb, our, our sacrificial lamb, yes. you know, helps identifies with the Passover. Absolutely. What's really interesting is is that when I looked at the Christian perspective of the bread, uh, feast of unleavened bread and the first fruits, I couldn't find an equivalent. 
Well, it's not 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 within. I agree with you. Not from a religious theological perspective, but I think when you when you dig a little deeper um, with the body of Christ and the and what happened at the Last Supper, He gave us the new covenant mm-hmm. and the idea of communion. Then I think the idea of communion helps to tie in those other two spring feasts into the equation. I think the idea of what we see as communion, prob- other than remembering Him his body and his blood probably were part of the regular meal though, right? Well, that's a good question. The, the, yes, they, they did eat bread, but then he turned that into, you know, this is, and it was unleavened bread. This is, it gets kind of cool. It was unleavened bread that he broke, right? That was part of the Seder at that point. It would have time. to be. Yes. And what's cool about the unleavened bread today, there's in the Seder, there's three pieces called the, and there's three pieces to that bread. Interesting. The Trinity kind of showing up a little bit, but those, but the matzah, it's known as matzah, it's striped unleavened bread. Oh, so that makes it a little more deeper. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you then you the middle bread is the one they hide, and then it's, re, then, it's then it's revealed. Well, there is the mystery of, of the Messiah being revealed on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, every and then there was and then, and then Jesus referenced one last comment, you know, about the wine. When he broke, when he drank the wine, that was at the, that was part of the seder, and that's when he made that. You know, this is the, the blood that I'm sacrificing for you. And of course, the disciples at the time didn't understand what he was talking about at that point. Yeah, and we 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 understand that later. But he said, "I won't drink of the fourth cup until we all come back together again." And that is the fourth cup of praise or sanctification that's part of the seder celebrated today. So, which feast do you? Yes, um, I primarily celebrate the the Passover feast with a Seder. And then in addition, um, I also celebrate Hanukkah. So those are the two. And then my, my family, we, I, I walk them through the fall feasts, and, but we don't have, we don't follow the, the traditional Messianic Judy, Jewish way of doing that. So do you put blue lights on your house? Absolutely. Do you really? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. That's I, cool. I even put a menorah out, uh, out in front to go along with my, with my lights and uh, and, I, and I again, like I said, I, I actively celebrate Hanukkah along with it. That's cool. So yes. actually, so your Christmas time is really long. It, it is long, and it goes all the way to the day of Epiphany. So twelve days of Christmas, yeah. the twelfth day after Christmas. Well, that's cool. So I enjoy it. I love I love celebrations. So thank you, thank you, Alan, yeah. for the for the privilege to come on your show today. Well, I appreciate it. I'm not sure how what time it is. <laughs> we don't have a clock, so. <laughs> Um, so actually we have a couple more minutes. Yes. And, um, is there anything else you want to share with the importance of why maybe we should, maybe we should recognize as a, as a world of believers in Jesus, why we should honor or consider looking at following the, any of the, um, well, you know, I, I think it, it, for, for me, what I'd like to share is when I, when I, my mother introduced me to, to a couple of the feasts at Hanukkah when we were children and as I became an adult, it just the Lord guided me back to Him, and I think my my I've seen my my relationship with Christ, my understanding of who He is and what He believes and what He represents grow as a result of of beginning to embrace who He is, because we always we we seem to forget He's He was a faithful. And you mentioned it early on in our show, faithful Jewish brother and and rabbi of of the old Old Testament of the Torah. And, and he never broke the law. So he's Jewish. And so I, I was interested in that. I want to understand more about 
who he is and who he was. And so that really, it really took my my understanding of God and my relationship with God to another level. That's why I, why I embrace it so much. Good. Well, I definitely want to get with you sometime because I want to know and follow some steps that you probably are a lot easier for me to figure out than going to books and reading on it. Well, and I will tell you, you know, it, 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 do it. I would encourage everybody to start with the Passover and just take take a chance, take it some time to understand what what it represents. It'll pique your interest, and then when you take do that, and then find a local synagogue. Either it could be a messianic synagogue or a non-messianic synagogue. In my case, it was a non-messianic synagogue first first time, and just embrace your friend, your Jewish friends, and they'll be more than glad to to share that experience with you. And you'll start to see what we've been talking about for the last hour. Well, that's easy for me. I have some Jewish friends that I Absolutely. really love dearly. So. Absolutely. So, so thank you for your interest, Alan, and for inviting me to talk about it today. Well, I really appreciate you coming. Yes. It's, it's been really enlightening, and I hope that our audience really sees this and I think reads about it. I hope read, so. Look up in Leviticus chapter 23. Yes. Read that chapter because it talks about the feast. It does. And, and uh, actually the feasts are listed other places. They but, are. But yes. that is a good place. And I thank you for joining us today. I, I hope you have a wonderful week. And thank you. love to everybody. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.